0: Not only am I about to take a car from my parents, I'm taking a Dodge Caravan thinking we're cool, right?
1: Dickie, it's your mother. No, you never call me. I mean, I wonder if your finger broke. Just don't tell my mother. It's your mother. 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 No, you never call me. Just don't tell my mother. Just don't, just don't. Don't tell, don't tell. Don't tell. Where the hell are you? You are never home.
2: Welcome to Don't Tell My Mother. I'm Nikki Levy, and this podcast is where your favorite humans from movies, TV, comedy, tell a true story they'd never want their moms to know, and then they tell their moms. Or they tell mine. Hi, Mom. Hi, Nikki. How are you? I am good. How do you like my hair? I love it, Ma. It's adorable. My mom has a fake ponytail on. It's very
1: cute. But I think of it right now as an attachment to myself, because it gives me that J-Lo feel. Very, very sexy. Fill me in, Ma. How is the dating going? I'm a little heartbroken. What's happening, Ma? Well, I was speaking to this very sexy guy. Very sexy. We spoke for many, many hours. Yeah. And then we finally met at a restaurant Wednesday night. I looked cute and it smelled good, just like you told me to do. <laughs> I did tell you. I said, look, your only look cute job dating is... good. Yep, that's it. And I did. And he was not impressed with me. Well, how do you know? Well, because the majority of the three hours were spent showing each other pictures of families.
2: But that doesn't mean he wasn't impressed. It means we didn't do a lot of talking. So then he just didn't call you after that.
1: Right. He didn't text me. He didn't call me.
2: Okay. It's a numbers game. Take it slow. My therapist said if you speak to him once or twice, go right on the date. Exactly. Don't don't talk like teenagers for 30 hours. Otherwise, it's just all you can do is just go down and not go down the good way. I know I thought we were gonna go down the good way. Oh my god. Okay. I'm proud of you, Ma. And I will tell you, there are good straight men out there. And one of those good straight men is actually coming on the podcast today how about that for a second okay Okay. and you know him today we have two-time emmy nominee comedian and self-described half black brother with a korean mother michael yo yes yes michael has an awesome comedy special out right now on amazon called blasian and mom you were in this episode
1: yes he's adorable and he's a sneaky guy his story cracked me up (laughs) <laughs> All right, I
2: love you, Mom. Keep putting yourself out there. Here is me and Michael Yo right after this.
0: Just don't tell my mother. Just don't. Just Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous 2-year contracts, they said, "What the f*** are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass?" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Michael! Hey, Nikki, how are you? Dude, I wish we were hanging out in real life, drinking some green tea together.
0: I know, man, this whole, you know, one day I just want to be in there with you.
2: Since we aren't together, where are you in the world?
0: We are in, so we lived in LA, but we moved to Vegas. So, but we live on like 40 minutes from the strip. Like we're, we're in a place called Lake Las Vegas and it's very private. It's very like when you leave here, it's like a resort. It's amazing. I've never, wow. I've never had silence all of my life. I've always lived in a city, a busy city, but literally. yeah. When you drive into this place, it's unbelievable. I, It's just, a, it's a retirement community. You know, we have two kids. The only, we saw four strollers and they had dogs in them. So like, there's no kids around, but we're going to build a place on the other side of town where there's more kids for our kids. So uh, we're going to stay in Vegas.
2: This sounds very on-brand for you, Michael. What made you get the hell out of LA?
0: I think the biggest thing about Los Angeles is the stress about, am I moving forward? always moving forward, or am I spinning my wheels?
2: It feels like a competition in Los Angeles.
0: And I think once you once you decide, once you make realistic goals, yes. that helps you mentally say, I am moving forward.
2: I think you have a very, like a surprisingly healthy brain. Oh, yeah. But I will tell you, you're unusual to me because so many comics that I know are... They just seem way more weird and fucked up and miserable. What are, do you notice you're a little different? Well, am I, I just noticing something no, that's no, no, not there? No.
0: I've been told that a lot. I've been <laughs> okay. told that a lot. From, from other comedians as well. You know, they're like, you really are like you are on stage. Like, there's no difference when you go on stage and when you're, I've seen comedians freak out that were huge comedians before they go on. And then the persona kicks in once they hit the stage. Like, they're actually nervous they're going to bomb. And I'm like, Dude, you just sold 10,000 tickets. What are you talking about? Like, you could do anything and not buy. But then, like me, I'm the same person. And maybe because I got in comedy, I was super late to comedy. I started comedy when I was like 34. You and, did? I didn't know that. Yeah, I've only been doing it for 10 years. Or like 35, 36. i only been doing it for 10 years.
2: Wow, maybe that's why you're so normal and level headed. Or maybe it's your childhood. What were your parents like when you were growing up?
0: Like my parents have been married for 47 years. You know, my dad went through segregation, got a PhD in nuclear physics. So, but he's never badmouthed any race, you know, even though they held it again. Like my dad fought for this country, even when the country, a lot of this country didn't love him. If you really think about that. Like you're going out there to fight for a country. And at that time, Blacks couldn't get into restaurants, all different types of things. So he's fighting for a country and loves a country that really some people, a lot of people at that time, didn't really love him. You know, so that's amazing. And he's never said anything negative about it. My mom coming over here as an immigrant, having me a year after, having to learn English, having to, like, their struggles.
2: Your mom came from Korea.
0: From Korea, had me just a year after she moved here. So to me... Anything I'm going through is nothing compared to what they went through. and I see their lives and how how righteous and how like just so fun they live their life. And that's my inspiration. so I try to bring that through in my comedy. But after almost dying from corona like in March last year, you, ha- you had coronavirus? Oh, almost died from it. Oh Michael. yeah I was, I was in ICU for eight days. It was crazy. Are you shitting me? When did you, how did you get coronavirus? I was the first person at St. Joseph's Hospital in Burbank with coronavirus. And uh, they didn't know what to do with it. It was early March. This is when less than like 75 to 100 people died. That's how early I had. So literally, I was in perfect health. I performed in New York. Around 2,000 people came out to the show. Like it was five different shows. Around 2,000 people total came out. I met a lot of people. So it wasn't a big deal back then. And then I get it like two, three weeks later or two weeks later, I'm in the hospital, ICU. My temperature gets up to 104.8. You know, so literally I thought it was over and then I, I survived that. After coming through that, now how do you see the world? And how you have evaluated your life when you were in the hospital. Because if you die suddenly, you don't get that chance. But when you, when the doctor says, Uh, it's going to go really good or really bad, and we'll know in two days. And the second night, I had a 104.8 temperature. You don't know if you're going to make it, so you do a lot of reflecting.
2: What was going through your head while you were laying there in a hospital bed by yourself?
0: I was in the hospital when lockdown started. They really didn't know, literally, whatever was on TV they would put in in my body. So they're just trying to figure it out. So I think in a good way, I was a guinea pig, and they tried everything, and they learned from me. Yeah. And when I got to ICU, I was the only one in there. When I left, it was full eight days later. It was crazy. That is
2: so absolutely terrifying.
0: The only thing that I was upset about, if I were to pass, was yeah. that my kids that were three and like, in my, my, my son was three and my daughter was only four months old at the time, mm-hmm. would never know how much I really loved them. And that was the biggest, that was wow. the bit. I wasn't scared of dying. People die. You know, my dad's a scientist. You know, yes. he doesn't believe in God. My mom's a total Bible beater, so I grew up really? in that. Type of, yeah, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't stop me from going to church. He wasn't that dude. He's like, right. believe what you want to believe. I don't. I don't care. But you know, I'm a scientist.
2: Your family, Michael, is so interesting to me. Right. Your dad's black. Your mom's Korean. You grew up in Texas, right?
0: Yeah, Houston, Texas.
2: What was it like growing up mixed race in the South, in the mid '70s?
0: Now that I look back on it because I'm more educated on it. (laughs) Yeah. I was wondering why I never saw mixed race kids like me. Because it was white, black, Hispanic, you know, mostly white. But couples were the same colors, you know, and I really never understood that. And then I started doing reading. Like my parents, I was born in 1974. So my Uh parents got married uh, in 1973. It was legalized for interracial marriage in the U.S. in 1967. So that's just six years... Yes. So that's just six years after that. So that explains why I never saw people that look like me. And that just blows my mind that in America, it was people were doing it, but it was legalized in the U.S. It's people insane. Say No, it happened in 1967. So now I understand why I didn't see it anywhere. And what I dealt with was, what are you? Uh, what right. You know, like, because it's kids. I'm a kid. They go, what are you? Because because I wasn't black, I wasn't white, I was mixed. And I had no one to turn to except my parents, but they weren't mixed. You know, they were a mixed, but they weren't mixed. So really there was nobody that identified with me because my dad spoke as a black man, my mom spoke as an Asian woman, but I had nobody to turn to as a mixed person, you know, how to deal with it. So I kind of, as an only child, navigated it myself with the help of my parents, where my dad was just like, Look, people are going to call you all kinds of things. If it's not you, then don't worry about it. It's just all talk. Like he's saying, somebody can call you whatever they want, but if you don't feel that you're that, then it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter.
2: Is there a specific time that I mean, yeah, kids kids are kids are horrible. Oh yeah. Is there a specific time that is sort of seared in your memory, you know, and and it was in school or whatever and you you kind of still remember it?
0: Oh, yeah. They used to call me nigga Chank. and what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it, it's mean as kids. But now I kind of laugh about it because, you know, like Chank means Chinese. I'm Korean. So it didn't even make it, sense anyway. And they were stupid. They were, they were stupid. <laughs> get your get your ethnicities right. Yes. Yes. And you got to understand the the N-word back then, everybody wanted, you had NWA, Ice Cube Easy. Everybody wanted to be the N-word back then. I have white friends wanting to be the N-word back then. But here's what's crazy. They actually made a song. Like There was like three people when I came to school. They, they sang a song to me with nigga chank in it. They go, nigga Chang, nigga Chang, nigga chank, chank, chank. And they were dancing to it. And I go, this is amazing because this is how my mind worked, even at that young age, that they went home and practiced a song about me. This is awesome. Like, like that's how I th- I was like, these people took time out of the day to come up with a song about me. That means I'm special. Even though it's derogatory and terrible. Yeah. I was like, yeah. but I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it as that, oh wow, these people are making songs about me.
2: It's fucked up, but uh, it took effort. Yeah. Well, you have a story today about the one time you really screwed up as a teenager. Michael, tell me everything.
0: This is a story about me stealing my parents' car, and I'm still ashamed of it. Just don't tell my mother. Just- I was, a, I was a very good kid, but I attracted really bad people. You know, I was so nice to everyone. Sometimes yep. you get a few bad apples in the bunch, you know? Yep. And yep. back then, <laughs> I was into Boys in the Hood, Minutes to Society. It was all about Compton. It was all about yeah. NWA. Yep. So I, I met a few shady characters when I was young. And I just thought it was cool. You know, I never thought about the consequences. I'm young. When you're young, you don't think about dying or anything like that. You're like, oh, this is cool. So I was hanging out with these guys. We started a rap group. Yes. We start it was called H2O because we flowed like water.
2: Yes, it had there has to have an O somewhere. It's great.
0: That's right. And my rap name was Suave. So funny. We used to do, we used to do uh we first performed at this 18 and under club called Metronome, and we had jumpers, okay. and they said H2O <laughs> is ridiculous. But I got involved with these guys, and they were always around. My mom hated it because back then, in, in like you got to remember, the only representation my mom had of young black men were the movies I watched, and they were just mm-hmm. killing each other. So my mom really didn't want me to hang out with black kids. Mm-hmm. You know? She was interesting, like, yeah. And I go, that's so crazy. And I got mad at my mom, I go, why why can't I hang out with black kids? My dad's black. And my mom looks at me. True, so she looks at me and goes, Oh, your dad no black. He had PhD. So <gasps> oh my God. Oh so my God. but that's her. Like literally, that's my mom.
2: All right. So you were a good boy.
0: I'm I'm the perfect child. Never been to jail. Never to this day, I still have not smoked weed. I want to now. What? Yeah, I still have not what? smoked weed. You're like in your 40s. You've never smoked a joint? No, because now I've waited so long. It has to be with somebody huge.
2: Okay. It's like a thing now. It has.
0: I'm not just going to give it up to anybody. I waited this long. (laughs) I can't just (laughs) give it out to anybody.
2: Yeah, yeah. It has to be Snoop coming to your house.
0: But see, Snoop's not great because he smokes with everybody. That's too easy. I need to smoke with like Jennifer Anderson, Brad Pitt, Obama. You know, Idris oh, Alba. Well, I don't even know. These people, I I don't even know if they smoke. But it needs to be somebody where I'll have a story be like, the first time I smoked weed was with Obama. Yes. Was, I mean, you'll come on
2: this show and tell it. Yes,
0: it was crazy. So so <laughs> Mardi Gras is coming up, and we don't have a car. We're like 15, I think 14, something like that. We probably didn't even have a license. And Mardi Gras in Houston on Galveston Beach is big. So they go, these two guys go, yo, man, uh, Mardi Gras popping. We need to go down to Galveston Beach, but we don't have a car. And then me, like, I know we have dinner in my house. We had dinner at 630. Everybody was asleep by nine. And the beach, you go out at night. It was a weekend. So I was like, yo, my parents will let me take the car. Yeah, they'll let me take the car. And I never asked Because I knew they were going to say no, but I wanted to be cool, you know? What year was this? Oh my God. 90s? Yeah, early 90s. Yeah. What kind of car did your parents drive in the 90s? It was a gray Dodge Caravan.
2: Oh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. You're talking about the sliding door.
0: What the sliding door?
2: Love a good minivan.
0: So not only am I about to take a car from my parents, I'm taking (laughs) a Dodge Caravan to Mardi Gras, thinking we're cool, right? And they loved it because they were like, oh, man, this is dope, man. We, You know, back then, we can bring girls in it. We can party yes. in it, you know.
2: Hell yeah.
0: So we get, so I remember everybody went to sleep. I had to open the garage, which makes a <laughs> lot of noise. And we lived in a two-story. And my parents live like, my parents stayed right at the driveway. Like, literally, if you shine, if a car pulled up, your lights would illuminate their room. You know, if somebody pulled up the driveway they're like they were on the drive. If you ran straight, you would run right into my parents' bed. Like,
2: no, my- no, they, they, they chose the room, right? They chose they, the they, room. If shit happens, we want to know. So I had to here. figure out
0: how to get the car out of the garage without <laughs> turning on the lights. And I was inexperienced at driving as well. So I, I remember me sneaking down, being all quiet. And what I did was, since I lived on a second story, I jumped on the roof because I didn't want to go down the house because we had staircase and the staircase was over there. Room so they could hear when people walked up and down. So I went on the roof, wow. went through the back door,
2: dude,
0: stole the keys off the kitchen table, went dude. in the car, started it while the garage door was open. I mean closed because I didn't want them to hear it. Which now I know if I stayed in a car too long, I could have died. I could have died. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There's like a yeah, point. Well, I was in uh-huh. there
0: for a couple of minutes going, should I do this? Should I do this? No, not knowing I'm filling up the room with all types of crap.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but even I can tell you that.
0: Yeah, so I opened the garage. And I'm like, well, I can't pull this thing out because the brake lights have come on. So, but if I pull it out and turn it really quick, it won't go by the room because there was a little space between the garage and the room. Mm-hmm. So I backed it out really slowly, turned it out, oh, kept the headlights off. Stop. And went down the driveway backwards. And then my oh, friends God. were staying on the corner which is very shady. Two dudes just hanging out at the corner at nine o'clock at night in a neighborhood.
2: Yeah, your mother would have loved this.
0: So, and they didn't, they didn't help me at all. So I got, no, of course I, I pulled not. out. Uh, I picked them up. We went to the beach. Uh, cops everywhere. Everywhere. And here's what's great. They had no fear. Me, I'm scared all the way, because Galveston- Your friends had no fear. No fear. Me, lots of fear. Lots of it. Well,
2: yeah. You're driving your car, your parents' car. It's stolen. I stole out. a
0: car from my parents.
2: Yeah, of course you're afraid. are like, afraid. Fuck.
0: Cops are everywhere. <laughs> it's Mardi Gras in Houston. <laughs> Cops are everywhere. Uh, so the drive there was very stressful for me. They're just having a good time. I'm like, <gasps> you know, we get there. And man, I remember getting to the beach, driving along the beach, Them popping that door open, we blast on a Dodge caravan, blasting whatever music was hot back then. Right. And cruising cruising in a Dodge caravan looking like we're cool. And, you know, it was just, honestly, the night I remember our our car at the end got stuck in the sand. So people had to help us get it out. So I'm like, great. The Dodge Caravan is stuck in all the sand. We're never going to get it out.
2: It's not. It's not supposed to be a beach car. It's
0: for, like, soccer practice. Cops help us get the car out. Just think how stressful that was. Cops help us get the car out. And I stole my parents' car. So I stay out at about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. My dad goes to work at 7. So I'm like, now I'm thinking on the drive back if he's going to feel the hood. Like the garage is going to be hot. You know, I I thought this out. Like I I wasn't a criminal, but at least I thought things out. I was like, so I need to keep the car outside in like an hour before or hour and a half before he goes to work. I need to bring it back because I don't want the garage to get hot because then he'll know. Because as soon as you open our garage door, it was right by his hood.
2: So he would feel the hood. and Well, no, he would feel it
0: in the garage.
2: He'd feel the heat, right?
0: I mean, you just drove all over the beach. You probably have a. You like probably use three Michael. fourths of a tank. Honestly, oh, I remember going to the gas station and filling it up too, right where it was.
2: Oh my God, did you like mark it on the little I gas mentally,
0: st- mentally Yeah. Now yeah. that I think about it, I'm a. I got a criminal mind.
2: Whoa. All right, Hans Gruber.
0: I covered all my bases <laughs> at like sixteen, so I drive it back. I keep it in uh, the street. uh, for some reason, in front of our house, and. And I slept for like two and a half hours to like 530. And then I got it, drove it back in the garage, closed the garage, because it cooled off by then outside. And it was, wow. and, it, and at night in Houston, it, it's not hot, it's cool. So it cooled yeah. the car a lot. I put it, put it back in the garage and then literally waited all day for my dad to call home on the, on the home phone and going, I'm going to whip your ass when I get home because I know you stole the car. That never happened. Never really? happened. And I clean got away with still in my parents' car.
2: Did you ever tell your mom or your dad that you took the car that night?
0: Like a couple of years ago, I did. Why would you, like, what made you bring it up? I was telling them a lot of stuff I did. You know, it was just one of those things where uh, you never knew I did this. You never knew I did this. You never know I did this. Yes. Uh, and I just wanted to get it off my chest. Because my parents are getting older and I just wanted them to know. And my mom was like, oh, I never know you so bad. Oh, you you, you take a car. Okay, okay. We have to watch this boy. We have to watch this boy. He take car when we don't know. So so my dad was shocked. My mom was shocked. And my dad is just like, oh, you lucky I didn't catch you. You would have got a whoop in. You know, so it's funny to talk about it now because I know they they're not going to do anything. So,
2: yeah, I think there's something really special in that even 30 years later, like you carried this, just this little piece of guilt that, hey, I I lied to you, you know, and I just want to come clean about it. Mm -hmm. And did it feel like a release or a relief to kind of just be
0: honest? You know know what? My parents, my parents have big personalities and they say whatever's on their mind, which sometimes gets them in trouble, you know?
2: Right. This is the textbook definition of most parents. Yep.
0: My mom loves to guilt trip me. So
2: Oh, your, your mom's like my mom. Oh, yeah. Jews, Koreans, super similar, by the oh, way. Super my. similar. They are.
0: That, my mom is like, like if I don't, I remember I didn't call her back for like two hours. And my mom picked up the phone and went, so uh, who's speaking? Like, it's your son. <gasps> oh, I don't have son. Because if oh. I have son, he would have called me back. And, and not two hours later. So literally, she has me on the phone for five minutes trying to convince her I'm her son. It's, mom, I'm your son. You remember that time? No, I don't remember. I don't remember. And she's upset. So I gotta convince her I'm her son for five minutes.
2: God, mom, stop being so dramatic.
0: Yeah. I just say my mom was very uh forceful. You know, she was a force of nature, and she still is. You know, she she says it like she means it, like when me and my wife got married, we bought a beautiful yeah. house, a beautiful kitchen, and my wife yeah. doesn't cook that much. You know, she's starting <laughs> to cook, she walks into the kitchen and goes, Oh. What a beautiful kitchen for no cooking. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. In front of your wife? Oh, to my wife. Oh no, no. But she didn't mean it. Wife. But she didn't mean and I'm being honest when I say this. She yes. doesn't mean it in a mean way. It's just she no, was I saying, didn't. Oh, what a gorgeous kitchen for not to be cooked in. You know? Yeah, it's
2: too, too, too bad it's not gonna be used. Yeah, it's too great. bad
0: because it's beautiful. That's what she meant.
2: Oh, I speak mom fluently, so I totally get it. Now, I know your mom couldn't be here with us. And my mother, you know, isn't a Korean lady from Texas, but she is a wild Jew from the Bronx. And she is dying to talk to you like she's low-key obsessed with you. Can I patch her through? Let's do it. Okay, let's get my mother.
0: Judy! Hi, Judy! Hi, Michael.
1: I watched your whole thing yesterday, and I also watched your interview with that guy. (laughs) Yeah. I was blown away, I have to tell you, because you had such truth in you, and you love your family so much. I was crying.
0: Oh, Judy, you're so sweet. Well, thank you. I appreciate it.
2: Mom, Michael did something as a teenager that he felt so bad about.
0: I basically stole my parents' car. Took some, uh, I don't want to call them thugs, but they were like thugs, <laughs> thugs. to the beach and uh, got my car stuck at the beach. The cops who I stole my parents' car helped me get the car out when we got it stuck in the sand. Long story short, <laughs> and my parents never found out that I stole their car
2: until he confessed to them last year. How did you manage to do
0: that? Oh, uh, I, you know, we were talking about this. Yeah. It seems like I, I have a very criminal mind, even at 16 years old.
1: I think we're all evil and devilish at that age. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we have we have to get away from our parents,
0: and we have to think of very clever ways to do it. So true. Judy, did you ever do anything when you were younger to sneak away from your parents? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: have to tell
0: you. <laughs> no, not,
1: not really. I, I wish... I wish I could have, but... Um, Mom, you grew up in the Bronx. You got to go anywhere I, you wanted. Uh, oh wait, let, yeah, let me preface this by saying I didn't have to sneak away from them because I was always out. No. <laughs> <laughs> this was the 50s and 60s when, I, I first of all, I grew up in a middle-income project where every every mother faced the playground, they would all be your mothers. This is like Michael's mother. Her bedroom faced the driveway for a reason. Ah. So I had lots and lots of mothers. If they didn't like what you were doing, they would tell you, and they wouldn't even—they <laughs> wouldn't even say, "I'm going to tell your mother." They told you. Were
0: those were those parents like? Would they discipline you too, or was that crossing the line?
1: No, I think they—they they did.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: if, they, if they got a hold of you, forget it.
2: <laughs> Mom, what's some advice you could give Michael? You know, as as. You know, a fairly
1: fairly newish dad. A fairly newish dad. Well, this is something I learned from my daughter. So, um I never set any boundaries for Nikki, which is why she started the show. <laughs> you don't have to set a lot of boundaries, but just a few, and so the kids know that you're the dad. You can't just be the friend, because that develops after a while. But they have to. And th- my kids were never afraid of me, so I'm I'm, I'm talking out of my hat. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they're supposed to have a little. Healthy fear, you know, what
0: the daddy's. Coming oh my home. God, Michael! The Michael's coming.
1: <laughs> Mom's coming up. I'm not that way
0: at all. No, I agree. I agree. I think kids, your kids, need to be like have a healthy fear of you.
1: Hel- that's healthy. It. A healthy fear, not an unhealthy fear. But yes, that was that wasn't me. <laughs> I, I wanted to be. I wanted to be best friends with my kids, mother and ah. father, mother and father, and best friends.
0: Yeah, see, my wife is the best friend, but I'm the healthy fear. Okay.
2: <laughs> that's good, Michael. Okay, good, Michael, good. that's good. You're ahead of the game,
1: Michael. Yeah. You are ahead of the game. It's cut. Nikki knows. Nikki knows. But, Nikki, I I, I gave you certain boundaries when to come home when not to come you home. I told you that, didn't I? Oh, no. I didn't have a lot of friends, <laughs> Mom. No. I, I, I
2: didn't go out all that much, so I, I don't even remember that She didn't go boundary, out but, much
1: at all, so there was no yes, problem. Michael, it's a sad, sad story. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was my son who used to... Take the screens out of the window and
0: sneak out. Oh, that's, yeah. Well, now like no Michael. kids can sneak out with all these cameras at home, ring cameras. That's and every, right. I feel bad for kids. They'll never be able to sneak out.
2: <laughs> Michael, I'm ending every show with asking, you know, our guest. I like to ask every guest, what do you love most about your mom?
0: I love that my mom is outspoken, always tells the truth and told me to always tell the truth. Uh, Mm. And her journey of coming here as an immigrant, not knowing English, having a successful business, being able to retire and live her dream life and to be able to give her grandchildren. Because I got married late and she never thought I was going to get married. And to see her have grandchildren is the greatest thrill of my life.
2: Mm. I love that. And I will just tell you, because my mom's on the phone. Mom, what I love most about you is your willingness to say yes to anything and to sub in as Michael's crazy Jewish mother from yes. the
1: projects in the Bronx. But I have to tell you something, Michael. This was not just, um, I know Nikki doesn't believe me, but I was very shy growing up. Um, there was a lot of times I wouldn't talk because I didn't want to, not because I couldn't. And it is because of Nikki that I'm doing oh. this. Oh, you guys.
0: That is awesome because I, I, you know what, like my dad growing up, he's always was like a scientist, a very stern man. But after I started stand up 10 years ago, I don't know what happened. He went crazy and started dancing up a storm, going to dance classes, going, (laughs) entering every contest on like the cruises and stuff. Like he's a totally different person. And I think I've opened that window to like, oh, if my son has it in him, I must have it in me. And I, and I love that, that we can give that back to our parents.
2: Amen. Thank you guys for joining. Mommy, thank you so much for for being here. I love you, Mom. I love
1: you.
2: Michael, I love the shit out of you. I love you. Take me out. If it's not one thing, it's it's your your mother. mother. I love you, Judy. I love you, Michael. Thank you for listening, my friends. Remember, follow us on Instagram at Don't Tell My Mother and at Nikki Levy and leave us a rating and a review. We love to hear from you and we'll ping you back on the DMs. Remember, our moms know how to push our buttons because they are the ones who install them.
1: Mwah. Don't Tell My Mother is created, hosted and executive produced by Nikki Levy, my daughter. The show is executive produced by John Cryer. Oh, my God. I love him. And... Lisa Joyner and Jody Zuckerman Weiner at Discount Sushi. Our producer is Liza Glukoff. Co producer Andrew Condon mixed and edited by Donovan Bullen. Theme song by Donovan Bullen and Joe McKenzie. Distributed by ACAST Now go call your mothers.